Welcome to Civil Discourse, a public affairs program of Gila Mimbres Community Radio and KURU 89.1 FM. I'm your host, Jamie Newton. This edition was broadcast live and recorded on January 25th, 2017. This edition of Civil Discourse is a roundtable discussion with both candidates for the one contested seat in each of our two local school districts. Gilbert Guadiana and Eloy Medina are running for the position two seat in the Cobre Consolidated Schools District to replace current board member Francis Kelly. Daniel Array and Justin Wex are seeking the District 4 seat in the Silver Consolidated Schools District to replace the current board president, Arnold Torres. Election day is February 7, 2017, and early voting is now in progress and will continue through February 3rd. Voters, to find out which district you live in within your school district and when and where you can vote, call the office of the Grant County Clerk, 575 574 0042. If you didn't have a pencil and you weren't writing it, that number is on our website. This roundtable will begin with three-minute opening statements. The candidates will tell you about their backgrounds, their reasons for seeking election to the school board, and their positions on issues that they believe are important to the schools and to you. Next, I'll invite the candidates to address a series of questions. The program will end with a two-minute concluding statement from each candidate. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I'll tell you that I'm a teacher. I retired after more than 31 years as a professor of psychology at San Francisco State University, where I was an active member of the faculty union. Now let me welcome my guests. Gilbert Guadiana and Eloy Medina are candidates for the Cobre School Board in position two. I'll welcome Gilbert Guadiana and tell you that we're bringing him in by audio link because he needed to remain at home due to an attack of sciatica. It would have been very painful to drive in here. So I thank you, Gilbert Guadiana, for being with us in this way. And please say something so our listeners know this is working. All right, we heard that. I hope you did out there, listeners. Welcome to Eloy Medina. Thank you for having me. And Daniel Array and Justin Wex are candidates for the Silver School Board in District 4. Welcome, Daniel Array. Good evening, Jamie. Thank you. And welcome, Justin Wex. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you all for participating in this roundtable and for the spirit of civic responsibility that you express by your willingness to serve the community as members of the Board of Education. I want voters to know that you are not seeking a job with a salary paid from tax revenues. These very demanding positions are unpaid. It's volunteer service. Opening statements. Candidates, I introduced you in alphabetical order by district and surname. I'll now invite you to give your three-minute opening statements in the reverse order. So, Justin Wex, let me begin with you. Thank you. My name is Justin Wex. Uh, I am a former educator, although I don't think of myself as a former educator. Uh, I believe that once you're an educator, you're always an educator. I had 11 years of classroom experience. Um, I taught grades 1, 3, 4, and 5 in Denver and Leadville, Colorado. 
We moved here about 12 years ago, and I taught kindergarten at GW Stout here in Silver City for six years. Um, I began to notice that teachers uh, didn't have, uh, oddly to me, teachers had very little, seemed to have very little voice in policy and in the things that were happening to them. And I began to decide, I decided in 2014, May of 2014, to leave the classroom. Um, and this is specifically why I dis made that decision. I loved teaching. Uh, I miss it every day. Uh, it's very hard when I see former students who ask me if I'm still teaching very hard to tell them, no, I'm not. But this is why I left. Uh, I, f I feel that we need that one of the biggest problems in education at the federal, the state, and the local level is that we have policy being made by non-educators. So I wanted, wanted to take my experience my knowledge of the kids in Silver City, the teachers in Silver City, the school staff, how schools function uh, to the board level. And uh, this is the next step in my, in my educational process. Thank you very much, Justin Wex. And Daniel O'Reilly, also a candidate for the school board in Silver City District 4. Thank you, Jamie. Good evening, everyone. My name is Daniel Ray. I've lived in the, com the community all my life. I attended GW Stout Elementary, La Plata Middle School, and eventually graduated from Silver High. I have two children, 11 and 8, that attend school within the Silver School District. Uh, my boys are the reason I'm running for the school board. They inspired me to do this. I took a lot of what happened in the past few months personal. Um, you know, it was sad to see. It was very hurtful. You know, as as a former graduate, that was uh, that's my school. That's our school. So at that time, I promised to to do what I could to make sure that my kids had a school to, you know, a school board that functioned well, and a school as a whole that that functioned properly. Um, you know, when I think of my short and long term future, I see myself here. I'm here to stay. Um, I'm from here. I grew up here, and I have no intentions of leaving. Um, I've been invested in the community for quite some time now. I'm currently the president of Silver City Little League. I've coached for over eight years, and I believe in the value of sports and all extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, I, I believe it translates into the classroom um, and real life as well. There's many values to learn from participating in such things. You know, you learn things like accountability, teamwork, how to play fair, and of course, as a bonus, it's a great way to, to stay healthy. Um, like I've said before, I don't have all the facts and figures right now, but with the help from the amazing staff, um, you know, I know that, that they'll supply me with the information that I need to be successful in this position. I believe that the best on-the-job training for a parent and school board, from a parent and school board standpoint, is listening to my kids and, and other kids in the community. Um, they're the voices of what's happening, and they're the ones that we need to listen to. Thank you very much, Daniel Array. Eloy Medina is a candidate for the Cobre School Board in position two. Over to you, sir. Well, Jamie, good evening, and thank you for the opportunity to come in and uh, 
have this uh, forum. Um, once again, my name is Eloy Medina. I am a uh, graduate of Cobre High School. I've got three children that also graduated from the Cobre, or two children that have graduated from the Cobre School District. I have one child uh, currently enrolled as a sophomore at Cobre High School. Um, this young man's very involved in, in sports um, and does fairly well in, in academics as well. Um, I've always pushed education amongst my children. Um, when, when I graduated high school, I probably wasn't the best student, but uh, I chose to, to seek a profession. And, and, uh, and in that time, I, I turned toward education and made that a focus of mine, and I pushed it on to my children. Um, I do have a daughter that, that currently is a teacher in, a, uh, in the Albuquerque School District. Um, I have a son that serves in the Marine Corps, and uh, and once again, my, my third child is at home. Uh, I do hold a bachelor's degree from New Mexico State University. Um, very career-oriented. Uh, I retired from the Silver City Fire Department. Um, I currently am the director of Gila Regional EMS, and uh, I, I also, um, I've also i also served some time in the classroom teaching for New Mexico State University as an adjunct instructor for about 15 years. Um, and uh, just a career path took me in a different direction, but but I did enjoy the the, the opportunity to serve, serve in the teaching capacity. Um, I also, as Daniel, I also have some some volunteer work in the community. I, I do a serve as the assistant district administrator for the District Seven Little League, uh, which is is a little league in the area. Um, and I also sit on a couple of different boards, uh, volunteer boards as well, to try to help the community out. Uh, biggest reason I'm running for the school board is is um, I believe in, in uh, raising and supporting and growing a, a community and parents' greatest asset, and that's our children. Um, I believe that elevating a bar and, and living by that standard, um, we can we can make education a big priority. Um, right now, it seems that, that across the nation, not only locally, across the nation, we're looking at uh, doing things in the sense of more with less from the financial side of it. And uh, I, I've taken on a position that I've had to be very uh, uh, fiscally responsible. And I think I've got some experience that can help out with that. Um, I, I'm very accountable. That's that's one thing that I am. I am very accountable as well as very transparent. And I'm hoping that I can kind of push that on to the uh, superintendent administration and uh, get them to, to seek that role and, and basically elevate the bar for our children. Thank you, Eloy Medina. Gilbert Guadiana is a candidate also for the Cobra School Board in position two and again on audio link. So listeners, if there's a little erratic sound, we're doing our best. Over to you, Gilbert Guadiana. Thank you, Jamie. And the erratic sound just might be from me altogether without the technology. But um, I appreciate the opportunity. I am uh, a native of Penn County. Uh, and I graduated from Cobre in 1973. I went into the military and served in the Air Force. Uh, I came out and I worked in Chino Mines and I was active in the unions um, as a shop steward, drug business committee chairman uh, for IBW. Um, I left and I was elected to the school board. On, I believe it was in 1984. Um, I left in 1986 uh, to pursue a master's degree. Um, after graduating from Western, with the bachelor's in computer science and a minor in political science. I left uh, in 86 to attend Harvard University at the John F. Kennedy School of Government, and I got a master's degree from there in 88. Um, after that, I worked in California for about 18 years, doing a number of performance audits to you know, look at efficiencies uh, that can be gained, uh, things compliance, as well as uh, fiscal responsibility. 
and um, worked also in a number of different county capacities, which included uh, reviewing and uh, setting performance expectations and budget constraints um, with budgets as large as $100 million a year. Um, I'm fortunate to be, uh, fortunate to be back in the sense my father got ill and as the values that I've learned from Grand County, those, those were the priorities and, and they still are. Um, I'm remarried uh, here in New Mexico and I have a son that is eight years old, Elias, and a daughter that is six years old, Eliana. We're both in Baird Elementary and in the time that I've seen their um, challenges at schools, that's really what has gotten me involved again in running for the school board. I see a number of opportunities to improve um, and give greater support to the teachers, which um, have an incredible amount of pressure put on them. And um, with the testing, with the behaviors, with the um, amount of individuals' activities that they have to do in terms of solving problems themselves, I believe there can be a much greater infrastructure to support them. I think there needs to be a priority in budget setting that supports them. Um, I think there needs to be a number of different things that can be put in place that make our, ch- our children in a safer place to learn and in a, t- a place where teachers, uh, good teachers stay. There's been an exodus of way too many teachers and I um, know that there's a number of different ways that you can encourage people to stay. And we, we have a difficult time recruiting. It's even very, and that makes it very painful to lose good teachers. So it's my hope to be able to have that kind of an impact on the board. It's my hope to be able to raise the expectations so that the schools do not get the, the failing grades that they've been getting. If not, uh, if not failing, it's certainly not something that's um, something that we can hang our head on and say we're proud of. There's been a tendency to discount the grades as a um, result of a poor testing system. Gilbert Guadiana, I'm going to ask you to conclude quickly if you can. I will. Um, and while everybody agrees that there needs to be a testing system, the, the issue is to fix the system, get it accurately reported, but not discounted. And so I look forward to taking part of the school and putting that at, at the forefront of the agenda. Thank you, Gilbert Guadiana. And civil discourse will return to that issue and others after a brief break. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Newton, and if you're just joining us, my guests are the two candidates for each contested seat for Board of Education, one in the Silver Consolidated School District, the other in the Cobre Consolidated School Districts. I'll remind you that early voting is now in progress and Election Day is February 7th. Our first question is on the budget and fiscal responsibility issues that I think are on many people's minds. I'll ask you, what is your assessment of the financial health of your school district now, and what do you expect for the reasonably near future in terms of adequacy of resources? Please consider federal and state government decisions and mandates that affect our school districts and also local decisions and actions. 
as a school board member, what would you propose to address budget issues and promote fiscal responsibility? Please hold your answers to two minutes or less. Gilbert Guadiana, Cobra School District, will you answer first, please? Sure. I think there's a number of priorities that have to be um, demonstrated in the budget, and the budget doesn't look like it puts teachers at, at the forefront of that. I think there's a lot of administrative costs that is reflective of uh, overstaffing in administration. Um, for instance, Kobe has a superintendent and two assistant superintendents and a number of different other positions that pay extremely high for salaries, but really do not have any limited contact in, in the actual classroom. Um, this is in a, at a time when enrollment is very low compared to when I was there, and there was no, there, was, there weren't any assistant superintendents. Um, I think the focus was much, much more in the classroom, and I think this has gone, it, it, it's become a budget of evolution in which um, it hasn't taken into account the decline in enrollment. Um, there's a school board that has uh, an incredible budget for its own training. Um, two of the members conducted a workshop recently, and both of them were very proud of having reached the master level uh, of training, uh, which requires 40, over 44 hours of uh, CEUs, uh, credit hours for the training. The, the 30 seconds to complete, please, sir. Okay, the mandatory amount for a uh, board member is five hours, and they're getting eight times the amount, making um, some incredible expenses and in, travel in, uh, involved in, in that, and I think that needs to be refocused on, on the kids as well as um, on the structures themselves. Thanks, Gilbert Guadiana. Eloy Medina, also Cobra District. Thank you. So you ask about the financial and fiscal health of the school district uh, in regards to federal and state mandates. Um, that's that's the key word is mandates. When when the federal government or the state government, and that's the New Mexico uh, Public Education Division, um, actually comes and in states a mandate, it's required and it's a requirement whether they're either adding revenue or or subtracting revenue from the school district. We have to be fiscally responsible. Biggest role of a school board member is to plan and review the district's um, um, expenditures um, and revenue, and they have to make sure that they are fiscally responsible. Um, I understand that a lot of times we, we tend to look at the, the key place we can look at immediately is staff and personnel and, and salaries and so forth, but, but I disagree with that concept. Um, if, if you have an active board, especially when you, once you start to develop subcommittees and so forth, they allow the the proper planning for the for the fiscal responsibility uh, of the school district. Basically, what I'm saying is, is if the board is active and within the policies and procedures set forth by the school board, they are required. Two members are required to sit on a budgetary committee and or subcommittee and and actually help put the budget together. Um, another part that that I think has to to provide for for fiscal health is the oversight of revenue and expenditures. The board has to support the superintendent in making sure that we are able to, um, that bills are paid on time, that we're not uh, curing actual interest and we're not uh, losing revenue because we're late on bills or so forth. And setting up programs where we can actually have the proper services and not uh, getting um, overcharged for services such as transport and so forth. 
The other part of it is that we have to have enough money set aside in case the state does come back and say we do need money back, which that is happening to the Kobe School District on, on one occasion already. Thanks, Eloy Medina. <clears throat> Daniel O'Reilly, candidate in the Silver District. Well, Jamie, the way, the way I see it is, you know, as, as individuals, we can't really give any definite answers. You know, but as a board, we need to find creative uh, solutions to address these challenges. Um, and it is challenging, you know, especially um, with what's, hap- what's going on now. Um, all you can really do is, is prioritize, you know, see what's most important. Um, and when it's time to make a decision, we need to, we need to see, uh, we need to make sure that we've asked all the questions that need to be asked, uh, do our due diligence as a board, and um, kind of like Eloy said, you know, um, support the superintendent in any decisions that he makes also. Um, and make sure that in the end, it's in the best interest of the kids and in the district as a whole. Thank you, Daniel O'Reilly. And Silver Consolidated School Districts also, Justin Wex. Districts across the state are facing a stiff headwind um, with with state cuts, um, and especially districts with the shrinking enrollment are particularly in bad shape. Uh, Silver Schools is down 148 students from last year, and uh, all districts are looking. We don't know what the budget cuts are going to look like yet. There's several proposals that have been floated, but uh, the state it looks like uh, we'll be taking money back from from districts. And in silver, that could amount to as much as $2 million, all those factors. So that's a, that's a tight budget. And to me, in, a, in an environment like that, you have to focus on your essentials. Um, we have a... On the ballot, there is a bond issue and a mill levy issue. Uh, neither of those will raise uh, taxes, your property taxes. They're reauthorizations rather than a new tax. Uh, and we desperately, uh, with what's going on at the state level, we desperately need that income, uh, that revenue, which uh, is to be used on facilities, essentially. So to me, you start looking at replacing, uh, doing the boring stuff first. You replace roofs. You replace HVAC equipment, um, all of that aging infrastructure that needs upkeep. Uh, that's where you've got to start. And beyond that, you want to try and get as much of your money into the classroom as possible. Um, I agree that it's a, if you have a, a good budget committee, I think there's a lot of creativity Um but to me, equitability between programs and between um, staff is is of utmost importance. You can't have one group or one cro- program benefiting at the uh, expense of another. Thank you, Justin Wicks. Now let's move to promoting quality education. I have two questions about different aspects of quality education. What would you do as a board member to strengthen the quality of education in the district with attention to material and technical factors, such as adequate resources and infrastructure to support teaching and learning, and appropriate uses of information technology? I'd like you to consider testing versus learning for information technology. Justin Wex, may we start with you this time? All right. Um, 
I'm not sure that I is it. Can I have you repeat that question? I'm not sure, sure that I got the whole thing. How could we, how could you as a board, strengthen the quality of education in the district with attention to such factors as adequate resources and infrastructure to support teaching and learning and appropriate uses of information technology? And I'd like you to consider testing versus learning, two different uses of information technology. Well, I think we, I think that Two, way too many of our resources are used uh, for testing purposes. I know in Silver Schools, um, there was a whole lot of our um, our budget surplus was spent on technology, and the reason was that we needed it for testing. So <coughs> I, I'm not sure if that's the gist of the uh, of your question, but. Um, to me, that technology technology is there as a tool to learn, not not as a not as a testing device that's not that's not used by kids, other than to get on it and take a test. So we've diverted far too many resources to testing um, in in the state and in the nation. Uh, teachers like to say we're not scared of tests. We invented tests. So teachers are not scared of testing. There is an appropriate uh, place for standardized tests. However, high-stakes testing is not, is not a sufficient tool for measuring the growth of a student. And when you, uh, when you designate so many of your resources to the testing machine, um, tests don't teach, and you're giving up valuable classroom time to take these tests and valuable resources. Um, the companies that make these tests, you know, make hundreds of millions of dollars on them, and that's hundreds of millions of dollars that could be utilized in classrooms instead. Thank you, Justin Wex. Daniel Array, candidate for the Silver School District. Thank you, Jamie. Um, like Justin, I'm not sure if, if I'm going to answer your question or not. But, you know, I, I believe that the world, the workforce and the workplace is constantly changing. So maybe we should do the same with our cur- curriculums and our, and our class teachings. You know, instead of testing on a computer, why don't we start teaching our kids how to program a computer? Um, instead of spending money on testing, why don't we bring in vocational-type classes and, and uh and teach our, our students to be productive adults. You know, not everyone is a four-year college college student. We do have uh, students who are smart enough and uh, and work hard enough to be um, welders, electricians. So, you know, in my opinion, instead of spending all that money on testing and spending time on testing, we could do more hands-on uh, learning, hands-on teaching. And like I said, to produce more productive citizens. Thank you, Daniel O'Reilly. Eloy Medina, Cobra District. So it's really interesting. It seems that you asked kind of a question, and, and what I'm getting out of your question is, is referencing the uh, core curriculum standards testing. Um, that, that's kind of what I understand when you're asking about the resources and when it comes to testing versus learning. Um, I, I'm going to recite what I said back at the Kobe Forum. Um, the park system, the core curriculum uh, standard testing. 
So when the park system began, 49 states jumped on board and said, let's do this. It's a great program. Over the years, they've started dwindle off, started dwindle off, started dwindle off. Right now, we're at five we're at five states that are actually working together to actually uh, meet the meet the park system requirements. Right now, I believe that it is a waste of, of a majority of the teachers' time because we are looking at a, a majority of time when they are testing, and it is on the on the technology side where, where Mr. Wicks, I got to agree with him, where we, we do invest millions and millions of dollars in this testing process, and where do the teachers teach? Some information was passed on to me is in the second semester of the school, kids can waste as much as, and I shouldn't say waste, let me recorrect that, we're utilized as much as 70 days of the semester testing. And that could include one one hour of testing a day and be sent home for the rest of the day so another set of groups can, of kids can test. Um, in that, it becomes wasteful of, of, of our biggest resource in the education system, our teachers' times and efforts and their dedication. When we put everything, when we tell them to sit in front of a computer and take a test after test after test, and the results are so far behind coming in, it makes it very invaluable. It's an invaluable system. I am all for assessment-based testing. I'm all for standard-based testing. But once again, if we get a result back and we don't get it back till November of the next school year and school starts in August... We've left that kid behind. He's not been able to, we've not been able to make the adjustments that are going to help him out. So we actually do an injustice to those children on the technology part, on the on the testing versus learning component. And, and it is a waste of our resources. Eloy Medina, thank you. Gilbert Guadiana, your response. Um, there's a lot of what we mentioned in terms of uh, over-testing that uh, is taking place, and I agree with that. Uh, and I think there's a lot of agreement and there ought to be some way to evaluate schools. And testing certainly allows for that. Um, that needs to be fixed in terms of getting a balance of um, the value of the test and the amount of time that the students spend on the test. I'm a firm believer in getting the situation in the classroom up in the forefront. And that's why I mentioned that when we discussed the budget. If the budget doesn't focus on improving the classroom, um, to provide the education, educational um, opportunities in a more enhanced method, then I don't think it's an effective board. Um, and along those lines, I did some work on school disorder program in California. I was in a team that put together a successful grant application for $25 million for, uh, dollars for implementation of school career. And I think that is the direction that um, schools went um, Properly in um, in the latter parts of the 1980s, and it, it, I'm sorry, 19, uh, 1990s. But it is going to tie the curriculum to uh, a number of different career venues, whether it's to be a doctor, or whether it's to be a welder, or whether it's to be an electrician. It would provide uh, windows and collaboration with um, a number of employers, both secondary education, technical schools. Um, that's the kind of direction I would like to see. Computer programming is a big part, uh, and computer use is a big part of society now. Um, that is kind of secondary in, in the form of education and should be elevated a little bit higher. Um, my focus would be to 
bring those elements into the into the classroom with a number of collaborations outside of the, the, the classroom to be able to do a firm assessment of individual assessment of whether a person wants to pursue this career or that career and what that entails and a venue to get there. Thank you, Gilbert Guadiana. You are listening to Civil Discourse, a candidate's roundtable for candidates for the boards of education in the Cobre and Silver Consolidated School Districts. We'll be back after a brief break. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Civil Discourse. This is our roundtable for candidates for boards of education in the Cobre and Silver Consolidated School Districts. I want to ask you about the workplace environment now. This relates to working relationships between administrators and teaching and non-teaching staff. As a school board member, what steps would you take to guarantee a supportive workplace culture for both teaching and non-teaching staff with fair procedures for evaluation, retention, and promotion. Eloy Medina, may we start with you this time? Yes, thank you. So when, as a school board, um, biggest, uh, one of the biggest roles for a school board is, is um, building policy and procedure for the school districts. And the next, the, what I would feel would be the next component would actually be one employment of the superintendent as well as support of the superintendent to allow him to go forward and execute the will of the school board. Um, one of the policies set forth in the school board, and, and I'm pretty sure it's within the Silver School District as well, is that a parent's or that a superintendent's responsibility as well as a school board's responsibility is to support and protect the school personnel in performance of their, uh, performance of their duties. Um, so what they need to do is basically make sure that the superintendent is providing them the, the support they need. Um, I go back to uh, skill set, tool set, mindset. So when you look at the education of the, of the teachers, they go forth and they get a skill. Uh, whether you're a welder, a teacher, um, whatever you decide to do in your career path, you get a skill set. It's that board's responsibility to provide the support to the administrator to provide every tool possible to make these people successful. That's where the healthy environment within the school districts occurs. If we provide the support, we provide the tool set. We set the standard and we give the tools to make them successful. We don't bring back disciplinary action immediately. What we end up doing is looking at an educational opportunity for the schools and the staff. If they fall short on a certain component, we, we educate them and make them better. Um, I'm a firm believer in, in it's mostly going to be support of the superintendent, making sure that he provides the support um, and, and the tools and, and the mindset to make sure that the whether instructional or non-instructional staff are supported in its entirety in their job performance. Thanks, Eloy Medina. Gilbert Guadiana, it's your turn. I think that um, the school board brings the other component, which is the uh, advocacy and the uh, attention of the public and the public's concerns um, as they relate to the classroom to the forefront of the administration. And in that, I've seen personally where... Um, for instance, my daughter uh, last year was in a classroom that was a fairly large sized classroom. It was over 20-some students, and the teacher was by herself, and this was a kindergarten class. And it was unruly. It was very difficult, and the teacher left. Um, 
this year she's in a first grade class and it's 27 kids and there's a teacher and a teacher's aide. And the difference between the two is remarkable. I think we gotta set up systems that allow that. We have to have a policy where a teacher isn't overburdened and they ought to have a venue to raise that concern. We ought to have a policy that looks at um, retention of teachers so that before a teacher gets so frustrated that no longer wants to work here, that we have some mechanism for them to raise that uh, concern and there be some way to um, retain that person by mitigating the the circumstances that go on. I also think teachers need a more institutionalized method of addressing uh, behaviors. It ought to be holistic. It shouldn't be just condemning a kid that's uh, behaving poorly. They should look at what are the causes, what are the possible resources, even outside in the community with CYFD or border area, which was uh, in most of the schools, as well as other behavioral health uh, agencies to help bring forward a more productive environment for that kid to be able to address the behaviors, as well as to get the support from the family that he or she may not be getting. There's a lot of grandparents raising kids. 20 seconds, please, sir. And so I think the focus of the school board is first and foremost in making sure that classroom is a successful environment. Thank you, Gilbert Guadiana. And listeners, I'll just remind you that Gilbert Guadiana is here with us by audio link from his home, so don't think I'm badgering him alone about time. He can't see me giving hand signals. Justin Wex, Silver Schools, your response. Well, I... It's very important to me to create a culture that supports, protects, and respects all students, first and foremost, but teachers and all school personnel as well. We want our teachers and our school staff to have uh, to feel safe to express their professional opinions. They are the experts, and they are also your student's most valuable advocate. And if there is an atmosphere or a culture of fear created where teachers uh, are not willing to speak up, um, that can only erode what goes on in the classroom and that can only erode their ability to advocate for your child when need be. We have a We're in the midst of a teacher crisis in the state of New Mexico. We have over 400 positions, unfilled positions statewide, that because there there is not a licensed teacher in those classrooms because they can't find any to fill them. We need to be looking at how to retain and recruit. And Eloy, I liked something that you said. We we need to look at. Teaching is hard. Teaching is really hard. The the kindergarten classroom that I just heard described, I can relate to. I've had classrooms like that. So if a teacher is struggling with, say, classroom management, they need support, not to be blamed and shamed. So we need to be supporting. We need to be training. We need to be supporting. We need to be remediating uh, rather than running off teachers. Thank you, Justin Wex. Daniel Lurie, Silver Schools. Thank you, Jamie. Um, I believe it all comes down to policies. You know, let's let's clarify some of the roles and responsibilities, which in turn will promote positive working relationships among the board, superintendent, and staff. Um, 
we need to identify problems to resolve, especially those that are that reoccur and demand a great deal of attention. Let's look at policies of what other schools are doing. You know, we're we're not stuck in a box. We can go out and see what other schools are doing to make their teachers and staff feel appreciated. The teachers and staff deserve nothing but the most respect. Um, you know, they they come to work because they they love it. They chose a profe- profession because they love kids. They love to educate our children, and we all board uh, community. We need to support them and show our appreciation. Um, I think a little bit goes a long way. Maybe a let's bring back a, and I'm not sure there might be for all I know. Uh, let's do a teacher of the month or employee of the month. Um, a little, like I said, a little bit of appreciation goes a long way. Um, I also believe that the the new superintendent has, uh, you know, supports all of our staff and will continue to do so. Thank you very much, Daniel Lurie. I want to ask now about safety, an atmosphere that's conducive for learning in what we know we have, really nationwide, but here as well, a diverse population. Educators know that teaching and learning benefits from confidence that one is truly safe and accepted. And that means as the person is in terms of race, ethnicity, religion, gender identification, sexual orientation, social and political views, and also the possibility that a person may be an immigrant here without legal documentation or have family members or close friends and feel at risk. What could you do as members of a Board of Education to guarantee that kind of safety and acceptance? Daniel Array, may I start with you, please? Yes, sir. You know, no one should be treated unfairly. Um, we should all get along. We should all love one another. Um, I believe it starts at home. If you teach your kids how to respect anyone, whether it's a, a different race, religion, whatever the case may be, it's going to carry over into school, into the classroom. Um, I myself, you know, with kids in, in school, I would, I would hate to see anything like that happen to any child, um, especially a child. You know, we are dealing with, with kids that are 18 and, and younger. So, um, you know, an inexpensive way to inform and teach is uh, maybe trainings. You know, let's train our kids that people are different. People are have different ways of doing things or different views. Um, let's send literature home to the students and the parents. We don't have to stop with, with educating our, our students. Um, you know, it might not get to a parent, but we can try. Um, you know, about the deportation part of the question, um, I believe that if a child or a family is in that situation or believes they might be in that situation, we have, uh, I believe we have counseling on, on staff that that they can go to and, and maybe express their feelings or concern. Um, I think uh, counseling would be the answer to a lot of things in this situation. But like I said, I think a lot of it comes from home. So if... As adults, we teach our children how to treat one another. Um, we'll be okay. Thank you, Daniel O'Reilly. Justin Wex, Silver Schools. Well, as a teacher, you're you're exactly right. Every teacher knows that learning cannot take place until your class feels safe. They need to feel safe to uh, to go out on a limb, to try, to fail. Uh, they need to know that they're in a safe atmosphere to do those things or they won't do them. 
um, we have a responsibility to educate all students, regardless of any factor. Uh, and I think one way a board can help to ensure that is to make sure that they have very strong policies in place um, that address all of those issues. Uh, I agree with Daniel, that training is an invaluable tool that often, in a budget crisis, often one of the first places that gets cut is teacher training. And again, that's a part of the retention question um, as well. But I mean, we've got, we need to be supporting our most at-risk students the most. And, you know, we've got trainings on homelessness, poverty, um, gender identity, anytime you understand an issue, um, you are much more likely to, to sympathize with those kids. So I think providing trainings um, for staff around those issues would be invaluable and making sure that you have um, absolute uh, concrete policies in place to protect, to protect all students. Thank you, Justin Wex. Gilbert Guadiana, candidate in the Cobray District. I think there's um effort now in the, in the New Mexico legislature to, to make this a sanctuary state. And I would kind of try to replicate that in a school, in a school district level. And it is unthinkable that uh, the school or local police would be used uh, for as a federal enforcement agency for um, deportation of non-citizens. Um, it's certainly something that ignores the, the way that this area became part of the United States and the treaties that were put in place um, to accommodate that. Um, every child needs to be treated as a child and no different. And that goes not only by citizenship, but it also goes by gender identity. I believe in having gender identity as part of the, the policies for the school in terms of restrooms and uh, classrooms and um, athletics. I think um, there are a number of opportunities for classrooms to incorporate that into the curriculum, uh, for it not be something that we just tell people to do, but uh, have that part of the curriculum so the understanding and the sacrifices that were made to get to where we are now are understood and recognized as incredible contributions that people have made uh, in this country. And the classroom is the perfect place for that to become part of the children's understanding of where we are. And it gives an opportunity for them to challenge some of the concepts that they've been raised with um, and take a look at them and make a, a more informed judgment as to where the character is going to be. Thank you very much, Gilbert Guadiana. Eloy Medina. So, Jamie, this is an interesting question regarding safety. Um, I'm going to tackle it from so many different points. This is going to have to talk kind of fast. So when you talk about safety in, 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 within the school districts, um, you know, you talk about things such as an active shooter. You talk about things, as Mr. Wick described, you have to make the child... Uh, feel safe enough to be able to to fail and and get up and dust himself off and succeed. Um, we we as society has kind of let ourselves down. Um, you know we've trained our children to look at people in a certain way and we can't look at children that way. Um, they have to recognize that, that that they're all living beings and that's the bottom line. There there can be 
there can't be diverse or, or division based on what they look like or or who they are or where they come from or so forth. Um, and, and society's done that. Let me take a big example right now is bullying. Um, society has taught bullying in the schools. Um, and, 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 you know, Mr. Cordiana talked about athletics and the differentiation between a kid who may play sports and may not play sports. There is the bullying factor, and that's a big problem within the schools. Um, I'm a firm believer that we... As a board, we make decisions in terms of educational welfare of children. That is our responsibility by setting forth strict guidelines and policies that will edu- that will execute um, to assure that there is no division amongst the, the school children. Other things that need to happen within the safety component is that we need to look at things such as training. Um, we need to be able to recognize. We need to be able to pre-plan. Um, and I'm talking from everything from, from the active shooter to, to the bullying situation within the schools. Um, there are some things that can happen, and, and it always seems that we always react to a negative event, and by then it's too late. I think that safety has to be a priority of the board, strict policies, and strict support for the superintendent. Safety is a zero-tolerance issue with the superintendent. Thank you, Aloy Medina. Civil Discourse is holding a roundtable for candidates for boards of education in the Cobra and Silver Districts. We'll return after a brief break. You are listening to Civil Discourse on Gila Mimbres Community Radio. We're about to conclude our roundtable for candidates for the boards of education in the Cobre and Silver Consolidated School Districts. I've asked each of these four candidates to give a two-minute concluding statement. And we'll begin, Gilbert Guadiana, with you. Gilbert is a candidate for the uh, Cobre School District. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to everyone. I thank people for the opportunity, considering uh, anybody for the school district. Um, everybody should get out to vote. It's an important election. Um, it is one that um, not done with all the other offices at the same time, which would probably make it better attended. But nevertheless, we appreciate everybody's consideration uh, and we will support the decisions that are made by the electorate. I believe that the school boards need to hold the administrations accountable. Uh, I believe that classrooms need to be first and foremost in the agenda of the entire school district. We are there that we are there, the teachers providers in terms we support them. And everything everything should work under that principle. Um, I believe that the selection of the administrator of the, of the superintendent is one to hold at accountability and a high level of expectations. 30 seconds, please, sir. Okay, and in reference to the, the question about how the Pinkert School Board in Silver City handles the Pinkert Superintendent, I would never support buying out the contract. I would expect, I would support expectations, meeting the expectations, and then charting the course uh, in the direction of how those expectations are met. Thank you very much, Gilbert Guadiana, Eloy Medina. Once again, thank you very much for the opportunity, and I, I'd like to thank the citizens for um, granting me the opportunity to possibly serve on the on the Kobe School Board. Um, I do ask for your support February 7th. Um, I really look forward to serving on the board. Uh, I've seen the Kobe Board, the, the, the 
for the individuals that are in there right now. They're they're a very good, hardworking group, and, and I hope to be part of that that uh, board to work with them. I also want to make sure that I offer the best support I can to Mr. Mendoza, uh, Mr. Peru, and Mr. Carillo. You know, the three superintendents for the Kobe School District. Um, the biggest thing I'm asking is that you know that we we all work together. That we're very transparent. We're very accountable, and that we make the kids the priority. Um, I, I do support these instructional and non-instructional staff, and we make sure that we educate. Um, rather than being uh, quick to pull the trigger on disciplinary action, we educate them and we make them the best they can be because they do control the futures of our children. Uh, we make sure that our children are the future and, and educate them well and, and make them good citizens of, as when they grow up. Um, in regards to the, the silver school issue, you know, I, I kind of agree with Gilbert on that one. Um, buying a contract or anything like that, I, I kind of disagree. It, it'd go back to education again and, and work together and make it work one way or the other. Those are parts that have to be, the, the, it's a waste of money and we don't do it. Thank you, Eloy Medina. Daniel, all right. Thank you, Jamie, and thank you for having us. Uh, I believe schools are places of learning, but we also have to think of them as many societies. Uh, the comfort and safety of a school has a direct impact on how well students will learn and how they will interact. And I believe that you know, with the recent happenings, some of our students and community, you know, we've lost some of that comfort. Um, but like my my son's teacher preaches, you know, with failure comes success. We have to fail in order to succeed. Um, and I believe we, you know, we've hit pretty close to rock bottom. So, you know, my main goal is to rebuild the trust between the community and the school board. Uh, we have a wonderful new superintendent who, whether I win or not, I support 100%. You know, I honestly feel relief and uh, more at ease knowing that that he's leading the district that my children attend um i also want everyone to know that that uh that i support the teachers just as much as i support our children and the rest of the staff you know the teachers mold our future um the teachers during the school year spend more time with our kids than we do so you know thank thank your children's teacher uh teach your children how to thank their teacher um you know, with that being said, I feel we can make many changes for the better of the community as a whole. And I'm looking forward to being a part of many of those changes. Thank you, Daniel. Are Justin Wex. My number one priority, if I'm elected to school board, is to provide a safe, supportive, and respectful environment for all students, teachers, and staff in the district. My number two priority will be to, is to be a thoughtful, careful, and transparent steward of your tax dollars. I really like what Daniel had to say about supporting teachers. Uh, I I am a teacher. I, I'm no longer in the classroom, but I am a teacher. And um, they desperately need our support as a community, as a board, um, and our administrative support. Um, Lon Stribe was not properly managed. And uh, the that board extended his contract two separate times and then had to buy it out. Audie Brown is a different superintendent and and this is I I don't want to say anything offensive to him. I have uh, full faith and respect in him. But I think history has shown us that we need to pay careful attention and we need to listen to our community. And if there are warning signs, we have to act. Um, and I will manage uh, 
the superintendent, uh, and I will pay close attention, but I do fully support him and think he uh, will, is going to do a fantastic job for us. Thank you, Justin Wicks. You have been listening to a Candidates Roundtable for the candidates for boards of education in the Cobre School District and the Silver Consolidated School District on Civil Discourse on Gila Mimbres Community Radio. Please remember that Early voting is in progress now. The election day itself, when you can also vote at a voter convenience center, is February 7th. Voter turnouts are often small for school board elections. We urge you to go out and vote and tell your friends and family members. You hope they will, too. There is information on when and how to vote available through the office of the Grant County Clerk. The phone number will be on our website and also on a poster. Drop by and visit Healing Members Community Radio right across from the Silver City Food Co-op and the Hub and look at the poster in our window. Thank you so much for being with us. Candidates, Justin Wex, Daniel Array, Eloy Medina, and Gilbert Guadiana. Thank you for listening to Civil Discourse Thank you, and thanks for to our audio engineer, Kyle Johnson. <laughs>